Hey, what's with the reusable containers? Hey, Oscar. Uh, my mom always packs my lunch in reusable containers. It helps reduce trash and waste. You know, reduce, reuse, recycle. Uh, less trash, eh? And did I hear you say your mom still makes your lunch? No. I wish my mom still made my lunch. Hey everybody, welcome to Doing It with Will Conlon. I'm Will Conlon, and this is the podcast where I get to talk to other creative types, artists, actors, writers, directors, comedians, musicians, filmmakers, cabinet makers, candlestick makers, anybody who likes to dedicate their lives to the creative pursuit and the passion and the dreams that they have. That's who I get to talk to. I'm very lucky. I'm very, very lucky, not just to get to talk to these people, but to know a lot of these people. And I know I've said that before, but uh, I'm going to say it again. Uh, at the top, you heard my guest, Daryl Din. And that was actually a, a PSA he did with Oscar the Grouch. The Oscar the Grouch. Sesame Street. Green. Trash can. Grouch. Oscar. He got to hang out with him. Yes. And I get to talk to him about that and some other really cool things that he's done and his life in general and uh, what it's like to be a human being on this planet. We get into some cool stuff. And that's coming up very, very shortly. Um, I want to say thanks to everybody who reached out after last week's episode, the uh, tribute to Wayne Fleming, who was my longtime friend, uh, mentor, and personal hero. The funeral service was yesterday, actually. Well, you're listen- I don't know when you're listening. So, so it was Saturday. And it was, it was great. I mean, what do you say about a funeral, right? Like, I mean, obviously you have the, the sad moments and the, the sorrow, but then the joy. And it was kind of weird because I cried twice yesterday. Once was at the beginning when I, it was kind of all overwhelming. And once was at the end because uh, I just was felt with overwhelming joy. I, I met so many people that I'd only heard about for the last 20 years from Wayne. I got to meet all of his kids. They were all just so welcoming, so sweet, so nice. It was easy to see why he he talked about them so much in his life and, and loved them so much, his whole family. I mean, he was very, very proud of his family. And it's easy to see why his family was so proud of him. And then the comics that were there, my God, the brilliance, the comedic brilliance that attended i mean this is the first time i've ever been to a comics funeral unfortunately probably won't be the last but i will say that the stories are true that comics are incredibly misbehaved inappropriate and i wouldn't have had it any other way and neither would wayne's family or anyone else because it was amazing it's like hanging out in, in high school with, you know, the kids at the back of the class just keep making jokes and leaning over, you know, and it was fucking great. I've never been to a funeral with so many laughs, um, and I know Wayne would have wanted it that way, and even if it was a funeral for someone else and Wayne was there, he would have been one of the kids acting up in the class. Same thing. The service was nice, and then there was a, a, a reception afterwards that was kind of a roast for him. It was run by Kenny Robinson, 
the fabulous Kenny Robinson. And a lot of comics got up, said some nice things, roasted Wayne, roasted each other. It was heaven. It was just great. It was wonderful. And uh, yeah, it was a great day overall. But thank you to, to his family and thank you to all the other comics and friends that uh, reached out and said really nice things about last week's uh, episode. It was uh, probably, for me, one of the most, if not the most creative thing I have done to date. Not just because it it seemed to reach uh, a lot of people and, and have some meaning for them, but because it did, it did to me, because Wayne, as I've said, was, uh, he was just beyond... Uh, beyond words what the man did for me and, and what he meant to me and i know it was the same for so many people so thank you and i'm going to change the name of the show to the weeping will show after last week because wow yeah that just got a little bit emotional a little bit emotional so anyway it was great and and i'm sure i'll have more to say about wayne as this podcast continues into forever land but right now we're going to talk about daryl din who i've known for uh, several years. Actually, I'm not exactly sure how long. We've acted together many times. He's an amazing dramatic actor and comedic actor. He's very, very funny. He's done all sorts of different projects, sketch comedy, improv. He's made appearances in several commercials. You've probably seen him. If you look at the picture, you, I've seen that guy. Film appearances, television appearances. He was on Schitt's Creek. He's done it all, everybody. He's a great man. He's fun to talk to. This was a great conversation. I want to apologize to Daryl and to everyone listening because I don't know why, but for some reason the mics didn't pick up the conversation. Fortunately, though, the recorder did. So the conversation is still good. The audio is still pretty decent. It's just not as good as it's been in the past, but it's still good. And it doesn't matter anyway, people. Even if it was a bunch of trucks driving through and airplanes and crows and babies crying i would still say listen to the interview because daryl is worth listening to here we go check it out daryl did how long were you in that other apartment 12 years and was that your first apartment in toronto no i had i had six apartments in two years my first two years six what happened were you a bad tenant or was it no it was just like i didn't like toronto i was just like oh this is not because i just come from ottawa and (laughs) Funnily, how much I was missing Otto at the time, and then I'm like, oh, that's just lack of ex- life of experience. Wow. Because Otto was a great city to learn city living, mm-hmm. I always say, like, but I was like, no, Toronto. But Toronto just you just took that right out of you. Yeah, after, but I think my friend Dina said, we both agreed, like, we both moved to Toronto at the same time, and it's like a two-year, I think Toronto takes two years to grow in, yeah. grow on you, and I mean, luckily, I knew people from Ottawa, so I had a mini network already but right. if you're just moving straight here not knowing anyone mm-hmm. it takes a while to find some tribes to <laughs> to join uh, yeah it's a kind of a clicky city yeah when you first come here i was because i was always on the outskirts and then i you know even when i started coming into the city to do comedy mm-hmm. and then acting and stuff it, i just found it very very click i i avoided coming to this city like all well into my twenties, I, I if I didn't have to come here, I wouldn't come here. I was terrified of it, like flat out. So I, I get that. So, but you moved here. So it I wasn't moved a here. Of... It was well, it was sort of epiphany because my background's TV production, right. and went to school in Ottawa and was working for a couple of years in Ottawa. But Ottawa is the the issues are language like bilingual people would be hired 
over having the skills but not the language. Like, yeah. that was an issue for me. Yeah. Um, but also geographically, because it's too close to Toronto and Montreal, because Montreal Productions would just pay for other people to come to Ottawa, and same with Toronto. And that was my epiphany. I will always just have bottom-of-the-rung production jobs as a PA because it's who you trust. Like, it's they'd rather pay the per diem and a few nights of a hotel mm-hmm. to guarantee this person will do the job versus hiring a stranger. Because, I mean, on the production work, like, once you get one job, it's if they like you, they hire you again. Like, it's never... It's not like you're reapplying. It's like, who do you want to spend 16 hours with yeah, a day? Yeah, 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 exactly. And I worked on the Country Music Awards, and that was my big... Oh, wow. Uh, epiphany. Everyone was from Toronto. Just the local drivers and like a couple of PAs were from Ottawa. No one else was from Ottawa. So it was like planting the seeds sort of planted earlier that summer. A friend got me to do some audio work in Toronto and I was like, mm, maybe. Well, back up just a bit. How'd you end up in Ottawa? Because you are from Newfoundland, right? Yeah. Labrador. You're, the yeah. Labrador portion. Are you really? I've never been out Is it like I mean, it's obviously not comparable to Toronto or Ottawa even, but how big is it out there, like Labrador, is it? Well, geographically, Labrador can fit the island of Newfoundland, PEI, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick in its landmass. Oh, wow. That's how big Labrador is. And there's 30,000 people in that region. Wow. So there's like around nine, ten thousand 10,000 in the west, where I'm from. Yeah. Uh, around that amount in the middle, which had a Valley Goose Bay, which is sort of the military base, and then the rest is sort of spread along the coast. And Wow. So it's it's a weird mix of a region. Yeah. Because Labrador West, where I'm from, most of the people are from Newfoundland. So there's a strong connection to the island. That's what we call Newfoundland. It's like going to the island. Oh, wow. I hope I didn't offend you by saying <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what it's like to use a goddamn. No, well, it's a weird thing because I defend Newfoundland when people are being ignorant towards Newfoundland, but just as yeah. many Newfoundlanders or Islanders are ignorant towards Labrador. So it's yeah. sort of that. Now I'm at a point I think Labrador should just become a territory. Yeah. There's just, it's two different beasts. It's, really? But Newfoundland will not give it up because that is the cash cow. That's the reason why <laughs> Newfoundlanders aren't living in a cardboard it's box. business. Wow. It's That's... just, you know, the hydro, the mining, that is what's kept. Because again, what, 10 years ago the oil money started coming in? Mm-hmm. That's that's been the only break Newfoundland's had. Yeah. And so. your whole family's still, well, your parents are still there. Right? Parents are still there. They spend the summers in St. John's, but yeah. I go home every Christmas. What do your parents do? Uh, my dad was a pipe fitter. He's yeah. retired, and my mom used to work at the bank on credit union. Oh, wow, okay. But, and then you have brothers. Yeah, and they're one brother, and he's here. One's here, yeah, that's yeah. right. So how, so when when did you, you went from there to Ottawa? There Ottawa. So uh, they started MUN, which is Memorial University of Newfoundland. They started doing these uh, first-year university programs across the province. So, because again, like, your first year, you're just doing your general arts and science like you're not usually really into a program so uh they started setting up campuses across the province where you could do your first year uh-huh. so you could stay at home save some money as i like to say i did a year and a half of first year <laughs> still wasn't sure what i was doing with my life um it says that on your diploma too yeah great yeah. <laughs> 1.5 years even though in uh going to like a it's like a the employment center they're helping you like with a resume and they're like it's like say you know Working towards degree, even though this is from 20 years ago, the keywords of those stupid programs for like companies, uh-huh. if you don't have the word university in it, it might just kick you out for not. Really? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a good nugget. So, <laughs> um, 
But during that time, I was president of the college uh, for the first year and used all the money. Because, again, everyone pays those student fees, which are automatic, but no one ever did anything. Because, again, it was just sort of that, it's a year program, people weren't invested. But, you know, we I created this, like, drama club. It was the most expensive set, I think, ever built in my hometown. We had, like, spinning fake walls, like, because we had, like, thousands wow. of dollars to spend, and they weren't being spent on anything. So I'm like, well, let's give it to the drama club. Which I was also in. <laughs> There's always a sneaky little thing for you. Yeah. No, that's amazing. That's really cool, though. And so, so you ran the drama club. But so was it all back in in, um, in Labrador that the whole creative thing started for yes. you, like drama and comedy? Yeah. Grade 10, I joined the, uh, was my first drama well, class. And, and what I'm always curious to know, whenever anyone's going to take on this beast of drama, comedy, anything, what... Was it about you about it that appealed to you in the first place? I think it's, it's fun. Yeah. The attention. Yeah. Like, <laughs> people who don't think it's about the attention are it's lying. It's always about the attention. <laughs> it's always you know it's the applause of the crowd and yeah. But yeah, so the first play I did was grade ten and sort of was hooked and then what uh, was that play? Do you remember? Oh my god, <laughs> I do know it, but it'll come back to okay. me in a second. It's weird. I was about to say the name of the play my brother was in, but that does not help. Oh, is your brother into the drama thing as well? He did in high school, but yeah. he's... Lost touch he, with him? No. Okay. He's in choir now. He's starting to inquire again. That's cool. He's still got the pretty yeah. going on. Like that's it. I think you need to be doing something creative. So... Yeah. But no, so sort of got the hook and then... But again, it was always that weird thing of... Because again, I didn't do that well academically. Everyone thought I was strong academically, but... Yeah extracurricularly like I was yearbook band like the canteen like I was involved in everything but could give a fuck about the actual classes math because, and science yeah well again being creative people like if you grew up in a big city I would have been at an art school there'd be no question but you know growing up in Labrador the de- denominational system so it was like Catholic yeah. or Protestant that was your option and you'd really have to be hating one school to switch to the other wow so that was my uh yeah, like, that was sort of, like, the funny thing of just, like, math. I think, like, I failed math in grade 11. I had to do the summer course to fix mm-hmm. it. Like, it was just one of those no interest. But everyone, especially at that time, it was don't become a teacher. Uh, it was all about computer science. And, again, it's, you know, you realize, how about telling people follow things they're interested in and passions and try to <laughs> make a life out of that because... Works for me. <laughs> Most don't. And then, of course, like five years later, there's the, oh my God, there's no teachers because you spent a freaking generation telling no one to become a teacher and then there's this huge gap of no teachers. Yeah. Wow. So, but yeah, so it's sort of the drama. And even like, I mean, Christmas, I saw my original drama teacher, Peter McCormick. Oh, and, really? Because um, it was him and Reg Hart who passed away, oh my God, like seven or eight years ago. What was that like? Was seeing him again. Oh, it's great. You usually see him every year or attempt to. He gets mad at me because I... Oh, oh that's sweet. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's funny because my, my uh, grade 12 art teacher, well, Mrs. French was her name, and she was the only teacher that really encouraged me to follow the arts in any way. She tried... In, in fact, like back then, that was when I was going to go into animation. Yeah. And she was bringing in the high school drama teacher to meet me because they wanted to put me in Rebel Without a Cause. They were doing that. And I was way, I had way too much stage fright, so I right. said, no fucking way. <laughs> but this woman was such tremendous influence on my the choices I made in my life uh, as a person. And I've been trying to look her up, and I can't find her. 
and I'm sort of afraid because I'm like, I don't want to find out that she's passed on. I don't know. I just feel like that. I'm not ready to hear that yet. But it's also but that's so, you know, for you though, to have that, that relationship ongoing. Yeah. He's, just, he's actually retiring this year, but he still does like, he has the local theater group as well. Um, cause the weird thing, there was a shift, um, six or seven years ago with the, the Newfoundland school system of, cause basically we used to have an hour and a half for lunch, which is a perfect time for extracurricular activity, but I think they started school earlier or later, but basically they, they crunched lunchtime, so it became 45 minutes, which is useless. So then all the extracurricular activities became after-school activities, but the cool thing with our drama and everything was we always had, like, the jocks, the athletics, because, again, it was lunchtime, because mm. all the athletic stuff was always after-school, but once that shift happened, all the, like, athletic people, if they had to choose, they're still going with their sports and not... Yeah. The drama. So he said it really changed sort of like the the energy. Because again, it's, I think it's cool when you have everybody of different backgrounds sort of working towards... A better future. A better future. <laughs> goal, play. Yeah. And, and that was the thing I found very interesting now. Because even like drama now in the school system is basically like a language elective. So people who don't give a fuck about school are just picking that class to get the easiest mark so it's just like it's he found it a bit disheartening yeah so like he's been focusing more on drama's always been like that i found that even over here was just the arts in general was just not as important right it was always you know the other things math science all that stuff and then if there was enough time or money left over maybe we'll do something Mm -hmm. with with the other programs the arts programs and this is not a new thing we're discussing. This has been an age-old thing. Like, it's called, movies yeah. have been made around this <laughs> subject. You know, Mr. Holland's Opus. That was what that was movie was about. And and it's it sucks. I don't know. I don't know why they uh, why this is still a, a a thing that we 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 haven't fixed. I guess I don't yeah. know how. Else like, I, and again, like even being in band. I mean, the only reason I played clarinet was I had a crush. You played clarinet. Oh, neat. I had a crush on a girl. That's yeah. its own story. But she's actually my best friend, Krista, like to this day. But it was one of those. My highlight of playing clarinet was playing Pomp and Circumstance, mm-hmm. aka Macho Man's theme song. That I knew oh, wow. I could play. <laughs> I've not touched a clarinet in probably 15 or 20 years, but I can guarantee you. Is there one? No. I don't know what those are. Yeah, we are in a music group. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, well, today, uh, but it's funny. The first thing I ever stole in my life was a pack of reeds, wood reeds, really? the clarinet. That was the first You're thing. A fucking rebel. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny. I stole it out of the music class, and literally, as I grabbed it, I felt like a sharp pain down my arm. Like it was like God watching. I no, no, no. That's what God gives yeah. you a heart attack. Yeah. That's what you this is what I still took it though. It didn't stop me. Did you really? That's awesome. I think they're like 20 bucks or something. That's, that's a lot too. Was it. she impressed, by the way? You, you said you did clarinet to try to impress because you had a crush, right? Oh, my friend Chris. No, well, I think she was, she cared a lot more. Like she was in, because yeah. isn't there like a first, like the first row and second row? I never yeah, made it. To, I never made it to the first row. No. <laughs> there was not even a okay. No. We'll leave that story alone. That's cool. So but she's actually coming for Pride, so that'll be great. Yeah. Her and my other best friend Susan, so they're all coming because for a long time I've always been like, don't visit during Pride. It's like gay Christmas. You don't want to visit. <laughs> but then there's a point now. It's like ah, just come to the party. Like there's no. <laughs> wow. 
So you, this is what uh, is funny. I've known you for years, and you've even in the stories that you're telling now, everyone that you've had that you've known since you were a kid, when you were in high school, whatever. Yeah. There's you're still you still have ongoing relationships with all these people. Yeah, pretty much. That's amazing. Which well, bizarrely, that almost got me stopped at the border or coming back into Canada. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> it's a segue. Sure, let's go. The uh, the uh, high school exchange student, uh, or foreign exchange student in my grade twelve class, was from Denmark. Yeah. And uh, Dina, we still kept in touch. She came back to Canada a few times, and I was always saying, "Oh, I gotta go visit you. Gotta go visit you." And literally, this was seven years ago. Typing on MSN, let's date oh, myself. Man. I was saying to my friend Jonathan, I was like, yeah, I've been talking about going there for 15 years. And literally writing out the words 15 years. Because again, as humans, we're all like, oh, next year. Like you just yeah, you realize just... it's been 15 fucking years. Can I curse? Is this a cursable show? Yes, or it's a cursable it? show. Good. My Everyone words. asks that. I love that. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it, but it's, and I said this last week because my guest last week just Eric asked the same thing. And I'll say the same thing to you. It's so funny because people have switched, said like, fucking shit. Like 15 times, and then they're, oh, can I swear? Can I swear? <laughs> and it's usually that small word, like, damn, oh, can yeah. I say? <laughs> Built it. Yeah, anyway, but, sorry. But no, so, Dean, so having that epiphany of 15 years, literally that week I booked the ticket, because I was like, no. Like, it's sort of that. You got to do it. You know, and then uh, booked the trip, like, two weeks in Denmark, got to hang out, went to Legoland. It was great. Oh, like, wow. She was not, she did not understand why I wanted to go to Legoland. I'm like, because <laughs> she's like, why? But her dad, my favorite, because they pronounce it. Oh, we're going to Legoland. Lego, Legoland. <laughs> so I went there. It was great. Um, I actually wanted... We went to Sweden for the day because it's just like a short train ride. Um, but I really wanted to go to the original Ikea. And she's like, no. She put her foot down for that. Because she said, there is nothing special about the first Ikea. There's no like... There's no amusement well, park. Because I'm with you on the Legoland thing. Yeah. But what appealed you to... Oh, I want to go where they make cheap furniture. What, what I think you've seen the, the seed where this... With this Mega, yeah. like it's okay. interesting, but there's nothing to acknowledge that that's the first store. Like, okay. so sort of that she uh, just because it's in yeah. Sweden and yeah, okay, she, she kind of botched it. So, but then coming back, they're like, What was your reason for business? I'm like, Oh, visiting a high school friend. And she, the woman goes, You're still friends with someone from high school? And it was just the first time I realized that, oh, I think a lot of people don't hang out with people from their high school and she literally wrote some weird code on my passport sheet coming back into Canada because of <laughs> because of that story did not like loyalty yeah the fuck Friendship? is wrong with you <laughs> -uh, that's, wow so she but the only saving grace for me as you know you walk out like they look at your card and decide and the guy looked at the line like I knew there was something on that card he looked at the line but I think it was just too many people in the secondary line and he's like oh just go ahead Wow. But that story... That's weird, though. So, for those who are transporting drugs, don't say you've been visiting <laughs> friends. <laughs> That's Daryl's tip of the I day. I met this person yesterday. They put a package in my yeah. suitcase. Yeah, go on through. <laughs> I've been visiting a friend from 15 years ago. Oh, suspicious. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Pat down. We're fucking... But then I realized... That's maybe, weird, though. I think that lady was projecting a lot on her life. Not, <laughs> not me. I think that is what... Very lovely. <laughs> very lonely but yeah that was a funny like bizarre like oh god wow. that's and the funny thing is too i could just imagine the look on your face yeah <laughs> just a reaction because again like um we're pretty like close brunch bunch of my grad class and we just i see wow. most of the people like kristen and susan and 
many other places. But especially, I think also it's impressive because the distance, right? Because that, that was all, that was at Labrador and you're in Toronto now and you still maintain yeah. relationships with so many people all over the country and or I the world, so. like you said, Denmark and all that, right? Yeah, I think, well, I think like anything, like if you want to be in contact with someone, you will. And if you don't, you will easily I agree. end it. But, but I think Facebook is a nice way, which, I mean, I have such a love-hate with the, yeah. that fucking website. More due to my personal internet addictions. <laughs> but again, it's a nice thing. You're kept abreast of people's lives, or yeah. what they're presenting, because I mean, as yeah. I say, the days I'm not getting out of bed, you don't photograph that, and you don't post those yeah. days. <laughs> it's, so, it's amazing how some people just don't, haven't realized that yeah. yet. It's a curated image. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's your curated magazine. This yeah. is Daryl Magazine, there's Will Magazine. Like, we, we're projecting, and we're editing. Be- we're all editing... Yeah, it's the self-editing. Yeah. That we, yeah, absolutely. So you go to, you, you move from there to Ottawa. Moved there to Ottawa. I went to Algonquin, which was a two-year course. Actually, okay. well, so after my year and a half of first year, I actually moved to Ottawa that January because uh, I just did the general arts and science there. Sort of get into, sort of better my odds okay. to get into the uh, TV course or broadcast television, as it was called. Now everything's narrow. I like how you said you said it like a broadcast. Yeah. Broadcast. broadcast. <laughs> Daryl did went to broadcasting. <laughs> but um, so I just did the general arts and science to sort of get in, and my friend was already the the only reason. Well, should step back a bit. So I started volunteering at the community channel in my hometown, and that's when I realized, oh, this is fun. Like this was the editing, the producing. I was the anchor. Like I'm famous in my hometown because it's like I did the news like people know who you were but it was just fun the whole creation and you know this was on like VHS SVHS tapes like just got the have you ever heard of the video toaster no so it's one of the first digital video switchers uh, created but you have to go online and google this to anyone listening some of the best transitions they had which now you would say are the most sexist there's literally women twirling that was one of the transitions, or women doing cartwheels, and their legs are what the wipe oh my God. of the images I've is. I've seen stuff like that So that's before. Video Toaster. Wow. It is from Video Toaster. So that was the beginning of the digital <laughs> age. But and So that's what got my bug. Movie. Yeah. That's what got me into the, oh, like, I like this. And then my friend was doing the nursing program in Algonquin, and I was looking at the brochure, and so they had a TV course. So that is literally... And was it, was it TV writing and TV... A bit of everything, because it was like journalism, writing, yeah. producing, um, and it was an interesting year, because first year was basically all non-digital, like three-quarter inch tapes, okay. but then the next, our second year was in the new media building with like an avid, like, you know, so it's weird to go from like, it was a great experience to literally know both mediums, yeah. but it's also... I think it took six weeks. So it wasn't until mid-October that the equipment was working. Okay. So for six weeks, we're, we're lounging for a lot of right, we're our read, time. Uh, <laughs> but the weird thing, like the digital editing was amazing because, again, you know, before you had to edit, like you had to know your edit because there's no way of going back to fix it unless yeah. you're going all the way back to redo it. Yeah. So to be able to insert and swap, like that was amazing. I can't imagine. I have no training in, in editing on like old film stock or anything. Like, I, I wouldn't even know. I can't yeah. imagine the patience you have to have. No, and luckily I was ignorant enough to, it, it was fine. Well, it's relative because like I say, 
you are fine with dial-up internet, you just don't ever want to go back. That's right. Yeah. Like when you're editing, there is no other option. So you just accept this is the parameters of editing. Like there is no, but once it gets better, like going from typewriter to computer, you're not going back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was. But you were right great. there. You were learning both. So yeah. it was sort of like you're right on that cusp. It sounds yes. like where digital was now infiltrating the film industry yeah. a lot. It was starting, except there's so little hard drive space. Because the one thing, they didn't have the video sync. So you, oh, still yeah. had, you still had to press play on the beta player and yeah. press record on the computer. Like it wasn't, they didn't pay for the, that option. Okay. Um, but basically, if you didn't finish your project in your allotted time, the next person's just going to come in and empty that hard drive because there's no, you know, this is before thumbnail drives or like it's sort of that you're just, it's whatever's like in that computer. So half a gigabyte of space. Oh, yeah, me. I still remember the day my friend Steve uh, called me up and told me his parents just bought a new computer and it has a five gigabyte hard drive. And I'm like, fuck you. And it was like $3,000. <laughs> And we were all just blown away with all the stuff you could do with this five gigabytes. Well, because one of the best Christmas surprises we ever had, we got a computer, but we didn't ask for it. It was not on myself and my brother's radar. And we, we'd go out and I was like, what the fuck? And uh, <laughs> What is this strange box? But it's funny because my mom, like my cousin, uh, who's a couple years older, he uh, sort of advised her on the purchase and it was like, he goes, well, a 386 computer is all you need. 486 is too powerful. Like, this is pre-Pentium. And I'm sure people who are under 30, it's like, what the fuck is Pentium? <laughs> like, Google, just Google. That's the thing now. Um, back in our day, we had to ask people <laughs> questions to answer. It's like, yeah. Um, but, so, but my favorite memory, and I think I was talking about a friend last week. I want to start a little... Uh, comedy idea of sort of like flashback to old technology but talking like an old person but realizing it was just 20 years ago but yeah. having a dot matrix printer like the amount of banners oh, we made man. and birthday cards with like print shop pro you're like happy birthday i'm like kids nowadays they can't make a banner you can't even get a printer that can print like that now yeah for your home it's like eight and a half by 11 or 11 by 17 yeah that's, that's it option. that is your you can like print each letter on one page yeah, and, and then, then tape, tape but, and it looks like shit but dot matrix just that sound, and you could make that as long as you wanted, as long yeah. as you had the paper. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so it's like so some of those crazy things that I appreciate, but also, because I still at my parents' house, I still have my uh, Nintendo NES and the Atari, yeah. which I can't get to work. But also, my Nintendo, I, we have the running pad. The running? I didn't even know there was a running pad. I had the Power Glove. That was about it. Oh, Power Glove. That's amazing, too. Um, <laughs> You need to go online. There's some funny videos. Yeah. There's a review of the Power Glove. Oh, what is it that like kids or teens react? Those guys. Yeah. But the Fine Brothers, they they have one with the Power Glove. So really? You'll okay, have to look that up. It's. I still have that fucking thing too. Oh, that's nice. I actually still have it. But the running pad. So it was the game. It was actually three games in one. So it was Super Mario, uh, Duck Hunt, and Olympics. So you would run. So you can actually get six people to compete. So we did that at Christmas. You can't believe how winded you get from just running <laughs> on the same spot. But yeah. it was like, we still have it. It still works. But the Atari, a few years ago, I bought, uh, I found a switcher at Active Surplus. You know, like the TV to game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not working. Like, I don't know what. That's. There's, there's uh, something. Because you can sort of see this faint, like it's sort of getting the image, but there's something not connecting. And Duck Hunt does not work with flat screen TVs. No? You no, know, you need an old tube TV. The refresh rates are different. That's weird. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. 
What's the point anymore? Just end it all. new te- technology has ruined old funny. <laughs> God, that's that's wild. But the, the army used duck hunt as a shooting tool. Like yeah. literally, it's it's pretty good. Also, <laughs> that's frightening. Uh, not that I'm tied to like teens react, but they also played duck hunt, and it was funny because they were just like, "How does it know?" And I still yeah. don't understand how the light to the gun knows if it's hit. I yeah. The duck I, or not like. It's, it freaks out, like, my grandfather used to look at it and go, I don't know what the hell. Like, it would frighten him. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. <laughs> There's witchcraft There's in that box. witchcraft, that's right. <laughs> so, Man. Yeah, so that's like... <laughs> Do you break that out every Christmas when yeah. you go home? Do you guys yeah. break that out? That's awesome. So it was great. Like, now I also have, because since we are both car buffs, um, yeah. I still have all my car and driver magazines from the 80s and 90s Holy at my shit. parents'. Which they want to get rid of. And I'm like, if you move, I'll deal with it then. But you have a big house. Who cares? Like, just leave it there. They're all, like, get boxed up in the basement yeah. and everything? How many? Like, how, what are we talking? Mm, those, well, I probably have, like, 20 or 30 of those. But I also have, like, 300 Archie comics. Archie? Really? You're a big Archie fan. Big Archie. That was my only comic, which is funny now because as I've gotten older, I appreciate, like, so many, like, the X-Men and Captain America. Like, all these, I'm like, oh, I sort of wish I was reading them. Like, you appreciate the comic books of X-Men and Captain Yeah, like, America? I, well, just sort of, like, realizing those stories are a bit more meaningful and deeper, like, I think. Than Archie. <laughs> Wasn't there a crossover with Archie and, and one of the superheroes or something like that at one point? Maybe. But see, I always bought the Digest. I also didn't realize okay. the thin ones, because I'm like, I'm not paying $3 for something so thin. Yeah. Not realizing those were actually new, mm. versus the Digest are just recycled every 10 years. Okay. They just digitally update the clothing and technology, and, the, and then they reprint them. Yeah. And you've told your parents, you die, you, yeah, because you're not a order. You're not a guy that keeps a lot of stuff, right? No, you, well, it's, it's weird. I mean, I am at times, but it's also that... Because I do have a side business now of decluttering. So I understand, I like things, but I also realize the point where, you know, it's That's too not much. Holding on to. But my big thing over the years, because even, I guess you didn't see it, because well, four years ago I went to LA, so that's when you were at my place. Yep, yep. <laughs> Will is an excellent renter. <laughs> uh, it was an excellent place. Yeah. So, it was easy to be. <laughs> like, don't screw. Yeah. The parking alone. Screw this up. Yeah. <laughs> the parking alone. <laughs> oh man, free parking? That never happens yeah. in Toronto so wow especially down um, basically downtown yeah but no so it was uh what was I saying I was talking about cars you were talking about I, I was asking yeah. you how many of these you have oh yeah I don't no so you're I'm not much of a hoarder so no like I've been my big attitude is sort of raking because because uh, again the show hoarders it's just the problem is they're trying to do it within a week or two and these you know people have not gotten to this point in a week or two so yeah. Because Intervention, which is a show I really liked, from the same producers, but Intervention, you see the person's problem, their issues, and then they sent to rehab. Okay. Like, that makes more sense, and then you see the little, like, follow-up on if they stayed or if they left, but in Hoarders, they're trying to do it all within that yeah. week, and I'm like, no. It's not going to work. Just, it's not going to work. They're just going to go back yeah. to the old... My attitude is raking, and, and again, I've done What's, a few... What do you mean raking? What's that mean? Well, you know, if you rake the lawn... Oh, okay. You could rake it again and still get more stuff out of it. Like, I think do a pass. Oh, interesting. Then okay. a month or two later do another pass. Like, I think it's less traumatizing and just... You're, Instead of all at once. and All okay. at once. Because then you're... Yeah, I think there's a, a reaction to want to glob on to more things again. And that's it. And it's... Uh, I realize it's the stories we tell. Like, you know, we do play stories on things and stuff. Mm-hmm. And 
with even the thought that's popped into my head, like, uh, with all the, the fort, fire in Fort McMurray, is you realize, you know, if you were told 30 minutes yeah. to take what you need out of your house. What would you grab? What would you grab? So, I mean, that shows the big priority of what actually means yeah. stuff to you versus the things we think. What would mean? you grab? Um, I think it mixes, like, the photos, negatives, and then sort of uh, some of the... Some of my knickknacks, but not like, because you know I did a commercial with Oscar the Grouch, which is signed by Carol yeah. Spinney. I'd probably be grabbing it, like those. I but, gotta be honest, when I stayed in your place, I thought about stealing some stuff. <laughs> I took a picture. Cool I took stuff. a picture. Yeah, I know. I, I did take a picture. You know how I knew you took a picture because you have a collection of cameras. I thought this guy was cameras. He recorded this. Yes. The no, of the my point is, you have you do have some cool stuff. So, and that's been the funny thing of with my last move because again now like there's still I've caught myself and got overwhelmed last week I was like oh my god I just want to because it's sort of like really realizing what do you need to do with these things do you need yeah. them or not and again I have a bunch of like old tapes from school like three quarter inch tapes and stuff and I'm like I have them but I ideally would like to just digitize them and chuck those tapes out but it's that weird thing of I'm holding on to them for now but my, the first thing I thought when I asked you the question, the first thing I thought of was my dog. I kept her dog bowl mm. and a little thing of, of her hair inside a little baggie and her collar. And that's what my, my mind went. The yeah. first, as soon as you said, like, what would you grab? Yeah. That was the first place I went. And those are the things that yeah. tell your story. Like, obviously, like your passport and certain papers, if you know where they are. Because um, that's the one thing, like sort of realizing what really is important. Like, you know, so many people have had to make that choice last week and I mean that's heartbreaking because like I said with a flood or hurricane there's things you can recover things will be damaged but you can even get fixed yeah but if your house is burnt to the ground there's nothing there's nothing like that is like recoverable and that's you you don't know anyone out there do you I have a few friends out there because again like a lot of Newfoundlanders are out that way yeah Uh, my best friend Krista the the one I (laughs) took a card up for uh, her sister they they left. They didn't get to go back to their house. Then her husband got to go to the house quickly, and he said, our house will not be standing. There's no way. Uh, so, again, like, they got their stuff. He's uh, working with one of the oil companies as, like, assisting the firefighters. So they all went to Edmonton, and uh, then my friend, she posted a video a couple of days ago, and it's her neighborhood. Because her neighborhood, I think, was 80% destroyed. Oh, and I said to her, I'm like, I'm like, is your house in this picture? Because all these houses are standing. She goes, yeah, it's the one with the net. And their houses, they're guessing were the reason probably survived is that that neighborhood, like that cul-de-sac was sort of like in a valley. Yeah. And basically the fire just, because fire travels on the top of trees. People sort of don't realize that, like when it's moving with such high winds and mm-hmm. even learning like that, who knew that like fires can create thunderstorms? And stuff. Yeah, like, that's these what things I just that, read. It these things we learned. System. So like, but it's just burning the tops of the trees and basically jumped over those houses and went to the next set of trees. But like, some of the fences got damaged. Like, is that crazy thing of? It so they were really prepared not to have their house. Yeah. And it actually was spared. But now her and the kids are moving to Ottawa this weekend. Yeah. So the kids couldn't be in school because it's going to be a while before anyone can go back. Yeah. You know, so. God, that's awful. Um, wow. But it's made me realize, like, what would you keep? And now that's what I'm planning to do when I sort of go back to my house. Because, again, like, I've moved from a one-bedroom to sort of a bachelor. Like, I have my own space. 
in the house like I'm sharing like the kitchen and bathroom but it's realizing like what you know it's more of a, like if there was a fire what would you take and I think that's a huge yeah. way to look at your things well the other thing too like just as entertainers if an amazing opportunity came up and I had to move like south like to LA yeah. or New York or something like that you, you, you're not going to be able to, well, it's not even a case of what you can, it's like being able to afford. You can't move yeah. all this furniture. It's going to be yeah. a pain in the ass. It's going to cost you a fortune. So what, again, it's the what's important. Do you think like in that vein too, do you try to kind of limit the amount of stuff that you have just in case you get one of those opportunities and you have to kind of say goodbye to Toronto? And Yeah, like I think it's, it's there in the back of the head probably less. Because you travel to LA a fair amount, didn't you not? I did for a bit, but like I was really debating going again this year, like sort of not being tied to a house and stuff. But it's just sort of, I just think it's so much harder now as a performers because I've had friends say auditions in LA, like if you don't have a green card or uh, or permanent residence, leave. So even people who spent money and thousands of dollars on a visa, yeah, are losing out on chances, which is sort of annoying because I mean you hear the stories of back in the day, like the Jim Carreys and you know, Mike Myers and Catherine O'Hara, like they could just waltz down, audition and work and no one blinked. But now, yeah, uh, America has become so fortified and so fearful of like other people yeah. working. It's, it's just like another, another hurdle in a career with many hurdles. Well, uh, you're right. It's, it's, it's a real, it's a real pain because it's, I've heard this too. Really, it's been the last few years. It's exactly as you said, you go into an audition room and they just walk out and they say, if there's anyone in here, that doesn't have this material, this documentation, there's the door. Yeah. We're not even going to see you. Yeah. And it's it just, I don't know, I hate that. It's, it's almost like you're you're governed by fear now. You're governed by yeah. retribution from the government for what it's like. It's well, a, and laziness. They just don't want to yeah. deal with the bureaucracy. Yeah. And I, it's sort of that, you know, they'd have to be very desperate and not have found someone they wanted to maybe then start looking. But yeah. You know, nine out of ten chances they'll probably find someone good enough for that yeah. part. So yeah. it's made it a bit more disheartening. So because that was the thing, I'm like, well, there's a lot of production coming here this summer, so maybe it's just better to stay here because LA is dead in the summer, which people don't realize because yeah. films and stuff are done usually in the summer, not in and around LA for the most part, just because it's so freaking hot. <laughs> yeah, everyone just goes. In Vancouver, I mean, Vancouver's booming as yeah. well. I mean, have you ever been out that way? Uh, I've been there once just to visit friends, but yeah. never... Never to work? No, and I couldn't see moving there. Like, I've had friends move there, and then they've moved back, because the other thing is, it's like, if you're making a living in the city, it's you're doing commercials. Yeah. That is, that's your bread and butter, and there's very little commercial production in Vancouver, so oh, okay. if you're just relying just on your TV and film stuff... So you, so you moved from Ottawa to Toronto, mm-hmm. and you came to Toronto, you were working as a PA, Yeah. but were, were you performing as well? So probably a year into living in Toronto, I had this bizarre epiphany. Because I still knew there was like... I like being on camera and stuff. and But I still knew I wanted to be doing more acting and comedy. And I had this epiphany. I'm like, well, Steven Spielberg's not coming to my door and going to offer me a job. I should probably go take some improv classes. So I uh, started doing the Second City classes. And then around that time... Theater sports, which evolved into Bad Dog, was doing workshops as well. And then I also started taking a, a musical improv class. Yeah. Uh, 
actually said with Jamie Lamb, who that we named our imp- musical improv troupe, the Lamb Chops, wow. which became a weird thing of everyone thought it was his group, even though we were students and he was Leary, he didn't really want to partake at first. Because okay. <laughs> it's true, like a bunch of your students say, we're going to name a group in your honor, do you want to join us? Like I can see after teaching for a long time, I'm sure there's many groups with this earnest idea, but maybe they're not all that good. Yeah. So, uh, but then we were getting like coverage in now and I, and we were, we won the cage match champions. So wow. sort of that, cause it worked out well, like doing a musical format cause cage match is you have 22 minutes. Okay. You know, it ends at 22 minutes, but the beauty of a musical, you can sing out that last minute or 30 seconds if you need to. So it always ended perfectly because it's sort of that. Yeah. Versus if you're just doing straight up improv and trying to find a natural ending, but it's like, oh, we have two minutes left. But we sort of wrapped up. So, and that can that can actually hinder you because yeah. the pressure's on, and you're like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah. Man. But when you're singing, we can just run around stage and hum and tune for another minute, and it looks great. And we <laughs> like filibuster. Yeah. We sense. just filler. So. Yeah. Um, but also to uh, Ian Ferguson, I took uh, improv classes from who, I think he's at West now. Uh, who, for me, is one of the best experiences, and I think just the things you yearn for when you're younger because 15 years ago the optimism and no doubt like that's what I miss of my youth like it's sort of that not the lack of sex <laughs> I'm having much more sex now <laughs> but <laughs> really remind me to come back to that <laughs> but but just sort of that the optimism like there's just no doubt or fear like that's that's what I don't like about getting older because there's way more doubt and it was it was blissful and, ignorance yeah, right blissful I, ignorance. I know exactly what you're talking about and Ian was great we did because again it was, it was very about intuitive and just being uh, grounded and my best experience for me and again it's like I feel like it's like a, a magic trick but it was one of those everyone in the class is standing behind you and you're back on to them and you they step forward and you have to say who it is okay so you have to with your intuition say who is standing behind you so the whole class of oh, 10 okay. I got all 10 in a row. Really? And it was just like this magical, like even saying it now, I'm getting the feeling to just sort of that, to be so tapped into your intuition that I could like literally 10 in a row, not like guessing one or two, but like 10 people all stepped in a random order that I got. Like, wow. And that's just when you're like, oh my God, you know, you I'm going to be a psychic. Yeah. <laughs> like I can climb the CN Tower. <laughs> but it's just sort of those nice things of, you have to remind yourself that you do have that ability, but it's just like the, the sludge of getting older. Yeah. Yeah. It's validation that you know what you're doing yeah. a little bit and, and that maybe you've got some natural ability. Yeah. Right. And, and so, then ego is born. <laughs> then you overthink it. Yeah. Well, that's it. Everyone, yeah. basically everyone I know gets their first audition, books it because you weren't thinking you had no fucking idea what you're doing and you just, you're just then, shocked that they're bringing you in. Yeah. And then you do it and then you start overthinking and then, it's like that weird thing of like you get it and then it's like nothing and then you stop giving a fuck and that's wow that's when you book more. So you realize you had this uh, natural ability. I, I mean, obviously, I'm sure there's other situations too where taking improv where you realize you have a good sense of humor and and you can perform and all of these things. So did you move right into um, going out and auditioning or was this sort of how did it work? Well, it's bizarrely, I became a full member of Actra without having an agent. See, that I knew that, and that's <laughs> shocking. So tell that story. Um, how did it go? Like, the first, because I think you do a workshop through Actra, so that was one credit, which is now mandatory final credit, but at the time was optional. But I'm like, well, I need six credits, so 
I did the commercial, um, because when I was working at Rogers, another guy I worked with, he was an actor, and he's like, oh, they're looking for a Newfoundland accent for this. It was the follow-up to the I Am Canadian beer commercial. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It was like this anthem, I Am Canadian. And uh, auditioned as, with a Newfoundland accent, and got booked as a railway worker. It's like, great. Had to go up to Uxbridge, and me and four other, three other guys in our train, doing a push-pull singing, and that was my first credit. And I knew... That I should join ACTRA because that's, you know, the professional But this was, union. was this also your, your very first thing done, like, on, like, a, like, film and television, like, a national scale sort of thing? Yeah. That so was my first audition, I booked. First audition, it wasn't, was it your first audition? Yeah. First audition, first booking, yeah. first thing. It's ACTRA. Yeah. You struck gold, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so got that, then I did that course, so that got me my second credit. And then again, being in the production world, uh... Friend uh, David Kitching, he knew I had like my musical improv troupe, so he hired us for a CBC special. So that was another credit. And then randomly, I was I was paying for casting workbook, which is the which is funny because I need to renew mine this week. I just, like, got, I just got the email too. <laughs> oh, mine's like mine's canceled. Mine got canceled this week because I'm oh. like I'm waiting on a check, so I'm like, well, I'm get oh, the you check know what sucks about that? It just hit me. That used to be across the street from you. Oh, no, they just moved up on north of the railway Did they tracks. move? Oh, yeah. okay. Because that's become a condo as well. There's yeah. five developments in my oh, neighborhood, my so... Okay, all right. Even if my building didn't get torn down, I wouldn't want to be in the middle of that construction for the next five years. True. But I got the... I was paying for casting workbook, and somehow... Because it's a few years later, because if you do a product, like if you're Labatt, and you can't be in a Molson commercial for like a year or two, like that sort of... Right. And you have to be over 25 to be in beer commercials because they want to make sure there's no way you look like you're an underage <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. drinker and somehow I got a message because again still didn't have an agent but got a message saying come and audition for this uh, Labatt commercial which I did and booked got to and it was good because I've been very fortunate because usually commercials you shoot in a day but I've had a, a, a handful that have always become two day shoots because it's two different locations which again, they try to shoot everything in one day, but this one was a. Uh, I'm in a photo booth with this beautiful blonde Chantal, uh, who I, I actually ran into a couple of years ago. We reacquainted on Facebook, but she's great. But it's funny, be, <laughs> hanging around all day with this beautiful blonde and just seeing how women looked at her with disdain. <laughs> I swear to God, it was yeah, the most no. bizarre. Like it was weird to just sort of see through her eyes, and every other guy was just like, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're running around. She's like spanking me on my bum as I'm running around, like, hee! Like, because this is just so benign. It means nothing to me. Like, it's making me thirsty. <laughs> so that was a great day. But yeah, we shot in a, inside a photo booth, was actually the dressing room at one of the, at the beach on Toronto Island. So okay. they were shooting everything on Toronto Island. But the next day, the outside of the photo booth was actually in Union Station. So I actually got two days work out of it, which was. Great, like those are. I love those days. It's like because literally all you see is our feet, but they just need us. Like it's just just in case they need to show us walking in or yeah, covering. You show up for a few hours and they got to pay a whole day. Yeah. Oh yeah. So did that, and then what else? Because that's that's not six. And it's a weird thing because I always see people on television like, oh, you don't remember the work you've done, and you're like, oh, that must be nice to have so much work. And yeah, then it's like, oh no, I can't remember, which yeah. is a nice. Problem, but also a sign of aging. <laughs> 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 uh, 
I really am like, oh, I wish I was journaling more. I would like to. I'll put this episode up next Monday. Yeah. And be like, oh, I don't remember. When did we do this? Who, who is it? Will? <laughs> Will Conklin? Will Kinslum? Conklin. Conklin. But yeah, so I'm trying to think what else I did. But yeah, I did just flew A lot of commercial it. stuff, right? A lot and, of commercial and, and got my full actor. And then from one of the auditions, uh, a friend of mine was a casting assistant. And basically, no, because my friend Jamie, I got this agent um who i don't think she's an agent anymore but basically you know you know it's great just to have someone submitting you and she's very nice um but then i also realized i probably need a better agent when she was sending out emails to the client base saying it's unprofessional if you don't show up to auditions (laughs) i'm like if this is your roster that you need to remind them that you've gotten an audition and you don't show up like what what is wrong with these people and that's clear. That obviously wasn't you. No. <laughs> but but I know what you mean. It's like, what kind of group am I involved so in? So I was yeah. a bit like, eh. And then... Because uh, that can hurt you. Like, like people don't realize, like, if, if an agent has a lot of uh, uh, actors on the roster who aren't showing up for the audition, yeah. then the casting directors aren't going to call anyone in from her roster, yeah. which means now you're not getting called in. Yeah, and that's what sort of spurred a friend of mine who's a casting assistant... Um, because I went into an audition where I think they were on their fourth or fifth round. Okay. But again, being with this agent who didn't have a high profile, um, the casting person via my friend basically said, get a better agent. Yeah. Which is very not what supposed casting directors are supposed to do, but it was a great tip because yeah. I did. I worked harder and got a, another new agent and started getting a lot more work. Now again, once that casting director knew who I was, they were bringing me in all the time and that's how I got my Oscar the Grouch one. And I think that was... Where the sponge shells began. I was through that part. So how how did that happen? Like you you end up with Oscar the Grouch. Um, yeah, it's so funny because you know you've worked with a lot of people, and that's the one I'm most curious about. <laughs> Tell me about working with Oscar. It's still my favorite. Like I've worked with some famous people. Yeah, Oscar. Jake Gyllenhaal. You worked with. Yeah. And, oh yeah, but J- Oscar. James Franco this summer. James Franco. Yeah, but that, we'll talk about that. Now. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, no, so it was just an audition. It was a waste reduction week, and it was like Oscar the Grouch and. They're shooting two spots, um, and it's just Oscars in an office, sort of like uh, trash talking. I get it. Uh, <laughs> well done. Uh, on the Nose Productions presents. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so it was just, again, just a regular audition, but uh, I think it was a bit of my patented, like, no. Like, mm-hmm. because it was like, pretend you're eating grapes, and then it's like, share it. And I'm like, no. And um. they laughed, and... Um, for me, when you audition, as long as I get a laugh, then you're like, as long you're as it's a fun commercial. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> if yeah. it's a, a PSA about HIV, maybe that is not, <laughs> that may not be the opportune time to yeah. get a laugh. Not funny but, at all. Yeah. No. <laughs> but no, so at least, because for me, at least they have a positive association with me. That's how I look at you it. You make like, someone laugh, they remember you. Yeah, because... Even if it's outside, like not in the actual audition. Itself. Yeah, and it's, yeah, again, you might not be right for the part. Like, I've been on the other side of that. And... Uh, no, so it was just like fun and I booked it and it was fun because it was Oscar with two guys in an office and then it was just me and Oscar alone. So it was great just to have that afternoon, like just me and Oscar the Grouch hanging out in an office. Uh, Carol Spinney was lovely. His wife is amazing. And uh, and then a year or two later, a documentary came out about them, which I highly recommend. I think I Am Big Bird. Yeah. Which is the other thing. Never dawned on me to ask to hear Big Bird's voice because he does yeah. Big Bird and Oscar. But well, you, you were probably a little distracted that the fact that you even were 
you know, come on. Like, that's every No, that's it. But it's the happiest set I've ever been on because, big like, Sesame Street, I think at that point was like 38 years. Like, it's just everyone has an association to Sesame Street and it's positive. If you don't, I think you need to reassess your life. Like, yeah. So it was like the happiest set I've been ever on because it just touches everyone, no matter your age. Like, it just, you have such a... It seems like one of those things where it, it'd be one of those sets, too, where the, the crew or the cast or anyone doesn't need to be reminded that yeah. it's a, it should, this should be a positive. Yeah. Because you've been on sets, like, guys, let's try and make it a little bit more. But here, I just everyone's imagine it's just, everyone's just so playful. happy to be there. And uh, we were shooting, and then in between takes, and I've told the story a million times, I will keep telling it, like... Hearing, you know, Oscar the Grouch in between takes, peek his head out and go, I'm watching you, Daryl. It's just oh, like, man. Because it's like your childhood, impre- like, you're just like, this is the weirdest, like, Oscar yeah. the Grouch has uttered my name while looking at me. Not like, you know, through the TV and maybe, yeah. like, they might say, might be me. Yeah. There's but, a billion Daryls in yeah. the world. I'm like, that was to me. And Ugh. I got to, like, somewhat fit in the garbage can and get a picture in the garbage can. Because this is the... There's only one. There's an Oscar you the Grouch. Try and sit yeah. in the garbage. That's so cool. Because there's one Oscar the Grouch, and there's a backup Oscar the Grouch. Okay. In case the first one ever gets damaged. So there's only really two. I never imagined Oscar would have an understudy. That's yeah. awesome. Just in case. Well, when you think about it, like, yeah. so it like came in this big brown crate, which you have pictures of. I'll send you a couple, and you know it has the Sesame Street logo on it. But again, you know it's like crossing the border. Like it travels with them. Like it's the main one, and then there's. A backup one in case the Sorry. first one went missing or caught on fire or yeah. but but it was just a lovely time and then at the end of the day they gave everyone these miniature Oscar the Grouches and signed by oh. Carol and uh, but the girl from uh, oh my god I'm blanking on her name I can tell me picture but we the girl from Sesame Street we got along really well and actually the next time I was in New York I got to go to the head office of Sesame Street and she gave me a tour and from afar, I saw the guy who played Elmo, who's no longer the guy who plays Elmo, and then yeah. <laughs> pre-other business, um, and then she gave me like a Oscar, no, a, a Cookie Monster mug with a little Cookie Monster. So everyone was a fan of Sesame Street when they were yeah. a kid, obviously, yeah. And but some people, I, I know I am, are you like that, that grew up that's still, not that you watch Sesame Street all the time, but just... You were still a fan of Sesame Street and the Muppets and all of those yeah. sorts of things. So this was just like... Well, when the new Muppets movie came out, like I got teary-eyed because just that weird, and again, a bit of a stretch, but like I've been a part of that world. Like no, the it's... whole Muppet, like it's sort of like, that's pretty fucking cool. Like I've, yeah. I've you know, I've walked among these gods. characters. They're gods. That's what they are. That's awesome. Can you find this online? What? Can you find like your, your clip online? Or oh yeah, it's on yeah. my website. I, I'm very nerdy and... Again, this is the good thing in my production background. I have a cl- basically I have a clip of everything I've shot on your website. Yeah, so that's great. If you type in Daryl Din, even though I wrote recycling, it's like Daryl Din PSA recycling. Even though it's waste reduction, it's not about recycling. Yeah, it's about reduce the waste first and then recycle. recycle. Uh, that's gotta be a hard thing, you know, when you when you do something like that. It's gotta be hard to in your own mind to top that. Yeah, you it know, hasn't been taught. Like, I can get it. That's what I mean. It's like, because I know some of the other stuff yeah. you've done, you know, you've worked, like we said, Jane, I didn't know about James Franco. That was the summer. What was what was that experience? The the Hulu series. Well, it's sort of that annoying. It was great because it was an audition. I just did a self-tape while I was in Newfoundland. I was on vacation. and mm-hmm. Which is, I love doing the self-tapes because there's just oh, no yeah. pressure. Like, you can it's control so your take. You can just do it. And it was, again, it was like doing Texas so like the day before I was just watching a bit of Friday Night Lights just to get a bit of that 
twang. Um, but yes, the Hulu series eleven twenty two sixty three, the Stephen King novel about uh, time traveler trying to stop the assassination of JFK. So I uh, booked it, which was great, and then you know traveled to Hamilton to film it, and basically it's one of those. Which again, as actors, you always have those stories because I basically scream at. Uh, or in the script, I scream at James Franco and Sarah Gadden. Like, they've entered a mental asylum. Asylum, About two mental patients back-to-back <laughs> this summer. <laughs> You're getting tight cash yeah. now. Yeah. I'd be very happy to make that much money once a week. <laughs> like, just sign me up. <laughs> the problem is, it's only four days a year if you're lucky. <laughs> but, yeah, so the scene was like, I just scream at them as they enter this mental ward. And I'm like, great. Because, I mean, you're just thinking demo real clip like you're just like some nugget to show that look sure they trust you enough to put you with the famous people yeah that's wow the director comes up after the f- dress rehearsal he's like just whisper to yourself and i'm like well there goes that fucking demo reel i just looked like i'm background <laughs> <laughs> and the clip came out a few weeks ago and it's exactly what i expected like it's just it just looked like a background performer oh, that's... so it's like oh that sucks, especially when yeah. you put work like a lot of work into it and, and, and things like that. So yeah. That's not good. But it's so weird because then everyone's reaction is, do you still get paid? I'm like, yes, you get paid. It's not like you like, renege. Like, this, there's always been my pet peeve with acting is like, everyone watches television mm-hmm. and then everyone thinks they know television. It's like, oh, I know. And or they watch like, Entertainment Tonight and they've got the inside scoop on like, no. show business. Yeah. Or when people say, why don't you audition for that? Why aren't you on this show? Basically, every new Flanders asked me why are you not on Republican Doyle when it was on. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want the money or experience. My great aunt always asked me, aren't you going to be on Murdoch Mysteries? And I'm like, I'm trying to explain her. It doesn't work. That I don't yeah. just pick the shows yeah. that I want to be on or audition for. Yeah. Like you, I get annoyed by that too. Because it, it sort of makes you feel like they're saying, you know, you're nothing until you get on the show that I watch. And uh, my mom, who's not like that, but I had had that with some of my family members seeing that stuff. And then my mom... After I just finished complaining about this, says you should rookie blue shoots in Toronto. You should see if if your agent can get on rookie blue. And I said I and I got mad at her. Yeah. I said I just finished complaining to you how I can't stand what people yeah. do. You just did it. <laughs> I swear to God. Four days later, called in for rookie blue, booked it. <laughs> so now she's all like, oh, well, I watched that episode to see you. I was very happy. And it, well, I, again, it was the same thing where I went. I had no lines. And all it was was um, I was just a drug dealer that the cops, the SWAT team comes in and takes down. I think it was like five seconds at most I was in the episode. But I was an actor. I wasn't a background. No, because the thing is for anyone listening who thinks they know television, I'll give you information (laughs) to actually make you sound like you know things about television. Because the thing is, being background means you can't be directed by the director. If you are, then then you're an actor. That's basically the definitive line. So... The director needs to talk to the person in a main Focus. action. Yeah. yeah. So even though Will wasn't saying lines, like he still needs to be directed to do exactly what the director wants. Not right. Because then it's part of the story. Yeah, because it becomes a broken telephone. For background people, the second or third AD gives the directions. Mm-hmm. You'll literally see the director whisper to their ear, like, get them to go stand over there. Then the, And that is the definitive line between like, sort of the yeah. actor and background role. Man, the more you know, Daryl did. Um, but no, so it was that weird thing of, because yeah, that and then the it's weird because again, I thought the the James Franco thing would be a usable clip, but I also booked, uh, episode on Damien, which is an A and E series. Oh yeah, yeah. 
playing another mental patient. And this is the weird thing because I was thinking about this coming over. Like, I love acting and being on set. It's the bullshit around it that's getting to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the... Because I'm good on set. Like, people are so complimentary. And they're like, oh my God, that was great. Like, again, usually on set, they're not giving compliments that they don't feel like it. Like, yeah. so if people are giving it... It's, it's like, rare okay. to receive a compliment. It really yeah. is, right? So it's if they're giving sad. it, you know, like, okay, there's... there's you, you've moved them enough on some level to compel them to give you a compliment. And it's amazing what that does yeah. for your self-confidence. Yeah. Like, I've had it happen a few times. And, you're like, and it's, it's not ego. It's it's self-confidence. Like, yeah. wow. Because... I, are, are you? Do you consider yourself like an insecure actor? Do you do you question yourself internally a lot, or are you? No, I don't. No, not anymore. Because no? again, the once I stop caring is when my success yeah. has come. So and you're absolutely right. <laughs> and everyone I talk to, and even my own, like I, I consider myself pretty insecure. But the times I do the best is when I just dropped that. Yeah. And I've I. I you know, it's. I hesitate to say I don't care because I don't want to make it sound like don't that. Worry. I, I don't worry. Worry is the other word, but I always say don't care first and then. Well, it's like you said. It's all that bullshit around yeah. that you just stop. It's like you don't care about the bullshit. You care yeah. about the performance. Yeah. You don't care about the bullshit. Yeah. So I think that's... And my scene on Damien, like, I'm playing a mental patient who basically Damien is the devil. Yeah. So being a mental patient, you know, people sort of in that weird spectrum of our reality. So I can actually see that it's the devil. So I go crazy, like I'm, and they show up. I'm in a straitjacket, which they never once mentioned. Yeah. Until literally we're about to shoot, and again, I'm not claustrophobic. It doesn't bother me, but I'm like, imagine if you were a claustrophobic actor, and they, <laughs> you're about to film in five minutes, yeah. and here, put on the straitjacket, and they're like, are you like put it on like you okay? I'm like, yep. Yeah. I said, just give me a water bottle with a straw so I can sit because I'm also in a room by myself. Like they close the door, and I'm sort of like banging myself yeah. against the window. Which was a great scene, and I'm like wailing, and everyone's like, "Is that is that your wail? Like, oh my god, that's amazing!" And I'm like, "I'm a crazy person. What are you like?" <laughs> yeah, I heard a crazy. But person. it's weird because I wasn't mic'd for, it, but it is my audio in the show, so there must have been a mic in that room or something. I don't know. I was surprised because everyone kept complimenting me on my wailing. So this this hasn't aired yet, though. This will come out. Oh no, it came out. But it did come out. Yeah. Okay, good, good. But again, it's just. Milliseconds, like it's yeah. sort of that. But but that's what happens in this business. It's yeah. milliseconds and milliseconds of work, and then all of a sudden, somebody has the force. They see that little bit of work, and all of a sudden, they want to. I on the way here, I was just listening to Gary Marshall talking about discovering Robin Williams. Oh yeah, I listened to that last week too. That story, yeah. it, and I've heard it a million times, but I love hearing it about how his sister. They're trying to cast Mork, and his sister says, "Well, there's this kid, a street performer." And, uh, uh, you know, he, he's really funny, he does well. He's like, you want me to bring uh, somebody on the number one show uh, in the country? And you want me to rely on some kid that's a street performer? And then the best line is the sister says, the hat is always full. Because he's got <laughs> a hat down on the street. And I'm like, and that was it. And he comes in, does his thing, and Rob Williams is a star immediately. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing. Like, we're optimists. Delusional optimists. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, but I'm getting tired. <laughs> like, it's sort but, of... you, but your optimism stays, though, doesn't it? Like you're, like, you're always working. Every time I talk to you, you're always working. You're always doing... Because you're also a writer. You're, you're, you're creative in so many I ways. I guess not enough. I'm not making a living at acting. I think that's my issue. Right. But don't you find, even with your friends that you know, the friends I know, you're... Where you're not making a living of it, and then all of a sudden it just 
That's where the overnight thing, when people say overnight success, there's no such thing. Yeah. You work at it for 15, 20 years, and then overnight happens, yeah. and now you're making money at it. And it's just that one thing all of a sudden, yeah. right? So it's sort of like the optimism is we're just waiting for that, yeah. that one thing, because we know we have the ability. It's just we need someone else to, I yeah, guess. Like the, well, yeah, turn the key to trigger it, but yeah, yeah. it's just... I just realized I need to make more of a second income to, and I don't know what workshop it was at, but it was, a, it, I like the concept of you do your other work to underwrite your art. Yeah. And I think that's the best way to look at it. It's not being a server or doing other jobs. Isn't that you've given up on acting. You're using that money to subsidize being an actor, artist, whatever you're doing. And I think it's, it's just a more positive way to look at it. Like you just need something to underwrite. Yeah. Until, because again, like if you got a, a year in a series, boom, you've made a couple hundred grand. Like, yeah. that's that's the crazy thing. Yeah, it's it's just weird. It's just all of a sudden you have yeah. a shitload of money. Yeah. And it's just overnight. But even when you you do land things, like typically they pay pretty decent. They can at least cover the rent for the month or two yeah. or something like that. And uh, you know they may be few and far between. But again, if you have that sort of side work. Yeah, and that's the thing I need to focus on that more of the side work. Cause, yeah. But also, I have a residual check coming in from uh, IBM commercial I did. And, but I don't know how much it's for. It's like, is this going to be a couple hundred or like a thousand? Like, it's sort of that. Mm-hmm. And I guess I should have asked the person. Because yeah. now I'm just waiting, like, for this week, like, when it drops in my bank account. So, hoping for thousands, mentally preparing for hundreds. Yeah. And You're hopefully also- somewhere between. You're also running an improv class right now, aren't you? Or is that done? That's done. But I teach it. Uh, U of T has an elementary school under their education program. Yeah. So that's Oise's education program at U of T. And their elementary school, one of the extracurriculars they have as an option is improv. So I've done that on and off the last five years. Okay. But that was was like January and ended in March. Okay. But the fall, I'm going to be teaching at the 519 an improv class. Oh, that's cool. Which I need to finalize. I've done the workshop on like, uh, oh my God, what was it worded? Basically just how to deal with people. <laughs> Basically, they're just making sure that you're not uh, a social okay. wacko. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just double checking on that. So yeah, so that's coming up the fall, which I just find weird too because I think theater and those types of organizations, they just plan like a year out in advance, which I think, you know, someone who's done stand up and sketch, like comedy is such like, let's do a show in a month. Yeah. So I've, the concept of planning things like eight months ahead, I'm just like, I don't. No, no. I don't understand. Yeah. It's, it's, that's how the theater world works, but it just seems so foreign to me and I find it very hard to wrap my head around that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're, you're kind of like a, let's, let's figure it out and then do it right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. Like, when you see the ads for, like, you know, like, you know, like, murder season in a year, like, these people will be acting in this play, and I'm like, and I know friends who they know in a year they're working on this show, and I'm like, it's just such a weird yeah. concept, because, you know, when you're auditioning and that, but but it's also uh, the thought of doing theater, I have no... No? Because you, you were almost, you were auditioning, I remember. Uh, well, no, I auditioned for Book of Mormon. But, but it, theater doesn't really interest you that much? No, I mean... It's weird. I mean, if Second City would be fun, but the reason I'm drawn to Second City, not even the fact that it's Second City, but it's just the, uh, you do two acts of your sketches, but the third act's always improv. So every night you have a carrot. Yeah. 
that's something different. Because I think I would, after the nerves of the first few weeks, then I think I would just get bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know some people are like, every night's different, this, that, and I'm like, eh. You ever, you ever thought about doing stand-up? I've done it twice. Yeah? Years ago at Spirits, yeah, did well. Yeah, Joanna Downey. God bless her. God, fuck. Yeah. That kills me. And, uh-huh. Me too. Um, and then I just did one this summer, what's that, like Comedy Pyramid okay. Showcase. I did that. I got into the second round, but then I just didn't feel like going. <laughs> Can you just do it? Just not your thing, or it was fine. I think for me, the it's the precision of the yeah. stand-up. I realize like certain words and certain orders makes things funnier. Yeah, and I'm not sure that's. You want me. more loose. You want yeah. Be... I like more loose, which I know no there's lots of people who are loose. Yeah, so. Yeah. Which I know it's not impossible, like, be more riff. Because I think I'd rather be more a storyteller than a... Yeah, because you're really good at... I've seen you sketch a few times, and you're, you're like, a natural at that. So I can understand how... Because it's, inter- it's always interesting to me how uh, funny people seem to either go to stand-up or go to sketch. And it doesn't. it's very rare that there's one that does both. And, and I like the team and the collaboration, because it's... Yeah. Being the, the pressure of deadlines with other people is a lot... Yeah. You, you'll follow those a lot more than self-imposed deadlines of things. Very true. But also, like, when I did the stand-up, I also realized probably, again, knowing your audience, and it's probably, like, too sexual and too blunt yeah. <laughs> for that first night. But I'm like, oh, Whatever. you learn. You, you work through things, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's also... Uh, it's, See, it's easier for you because you're having more sex now, so you don't need to talk about it as much. <laughs> yeah, it's like, there's no pretending now. <laughs> Hey, everyone having the sex? Yeah, me too. <laughs> anyway, on to books. What's wow. with books? <laughs> so, so I don't know. Like, it's it's that's the weird thing of this year. Like, because I actually sort of made a, a mental note. I might just put hang up acting at the end of the year if nothing big happens. Really? Yeah. And focus on. Well, I think go back on. to TV production. Realistically, yeah, like, I know enough people in that, but it's just. I, 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 I gotta tell you, like, officially, that's a bad idea. <laughs> it is. It's, it's a bad idea. I'm not feeling the smoke. I'm not being nice. I've, I've worked with you. We worked on a web series. What? Together. That's why I'm so familiar. I know that you're g- great, not good, great at what you do. I mean, because when I would share scenes with you, it, it felt real, felt authentic. No, I loved our scenes. And and that was, by the way, that was where we met. So it wasn't like we had a long friendship yeah. that we could sort of rely on the history of that and bring that into the character. We didn't know each other. I don't know. You were you were great at it, and so you clearly. Yeah. The point is, is I, I hate when I see people with a natural ability, and you have that both in acting and comedy, to even talk about. Stop smiling at me for a second. <laughs> stop. I'm trying to be Thank real you. here. And don't 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 stop. Just don't. Do, do your PA thing if you want on the side. I don't care. But but come on. You're too... I'm not going to be a PA anymore. Free. I'm a producer and stuff. But I just need to get... I think I just... Again, I need to find something that... A job to underwrite my career. And yeah. I've not had luck in that area. So there's a point where I just need to like... I think it's a great idea. I don't like... I don't think the stopping acting is a good idea. But then you always hear the stories when people say they're going to quit and everything comes to them. So I'm sort of trying to put that out there too. You should quit. <laughs> <laughs> Did I help? Hopefully, I'll keep you posted. But I, oh man, no, really, <laughs> I am quitting. Universe, <laughs> things, good things better come quickly. Oh, they will. I, I, I'm sure they will, for sure, man. But 
Thanks for talking to me. I'm sorry Thank we have you. to wrap this up. Oh my God, how long have we been going? It's been good. An hour twenty. <laughs> Jeez. But thanks a lot, man. I hope you had fun. No, it was I great. It was so nice to see you. Just, so nice just to see, see you. Just to see you too, man. Well, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate thanks, so. Okay. Daryl Dan, great guy, great friend, great conversation, super talent. He's so great. You put him in something, he just shines. Doesn't matter if it's comedy or drama. He's fantastic. Go check out his stuff at DarylDin.com on his website. Uh, you can find him on YouTube. If you Google him, you'll see him come up in all sorts of different things. And you go, hey, I know that guy. And I get his frustration. You know, things get in the way sometimes. You know, personal life, financial obligations, or the opportunities just dry up and you wonder, is this worth continuing? Well, yes, it is. It really is. And I'm saying that I'm a biggest hypocrite because I get I go through that all the time, and it's it's hard to talk yourself into continuing sometimes, but it's always worth it. And Daryl's one of those guys that uh, that's just a great talent, and and I know he's going to have even more success in the future. So thank you, Daryl, for sitting down and talking with me. It's always a pleasure. Also, don't forget you can check out this show's website, DoingItPod.com. You can find it on iTunes, and if you do that, if you find it on iTunes, you know what would be so great, you guys? If you could rate the show, like, you know, where you can give it, you know, five stars. I think you can only give it five, so just give it five. And you can write a little review. Like, oh, I don't know, this is the best show I've ever heard. So, if you could write something on iTunes, it really helps the show out, and it's not so much I'm asking for me, but all my guests. It's, you know, these guys and girls come out and they bear their souls, and they talk about personal things, they talk about their personal struggles, and it's only fair that they get as big an audience as possible, and that's what I'm trying to do. So if you could help me out with that, rate the show on iTunes, and write a nice review. Share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter. Uh, the show does have a Twitter account, at Doing It Pod, and you can check it out there. Thanks so much for listening, though, everybody. As always, I, I really appreciate it. And until next time, remember, life doesn't happen to you. Life happens through you. And I'll see you in a week. Bye.